This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Robin Harding, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you so much for having me. So Robin is in Vancouver and she is the best-selling author of The Party, The Swap, Her Pretty Face, and she is much loved by the Better Reading community. She has also written and executive produced an independent film. So today um, we're talking about The Perfect Family, her latest book. It's a gripping domestic mystery. That's your specialisation, isn't it? It scares me to think that these things can happen in families, but there you go. Why families around settings? Yes, I'm, I'm fascinated with especially families that appear to be perfect on the outside and then one little thing and it all crumbles. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, I want to talk to you about writing and how you came to writing. I know we've spoken before, but I'm not quite sure how far we, back we got. Talk to me about how your writing career started. So... I grew up in a small town. I'm not going back to, um, you know, third grade or anything, but uh, that is when I first started, you know, realizing that I did have a talent for writing, but because I was in such a small town, I had no idea how to utilize that. So I decided to go to journalism school, thinking that was the most logical kind of way to use this skill. And that's when I realized at school that, oh my God, I'm so not cut out to be a journalist. Like I'm way too soft. I, oh, I, I would never be able to, you know, do these interviews, hard hitting interviews or go to a war torn country or deal with a crime scene. And so I ended up kind of stumbling my way into advertising. And it wasn't until my kids were born and we have a maternity leave here, which is like a year that I had some time off and I thought, you know, during nap time and um, I used to get up really early before my kids got up and I decided to just try my hand at writing again. And over the years I'd started various projects, but I'd never finished anything. And I had this one idea and I was like, I'm just going to finish it and just see what happens. And uh, that was my first novel that I published in 2004 called the journal of mortifying moments, which was not a thriller. It was, uh, as you can tell by the title, um, uh, humorous women's fiction, or as it was called back then, chick lit. Your pathway to writing, um, I've heard it before. Like it's very, there's a lot of women writers that I've spoken to that uh, decide to, they've always wanted to write, but they they really don't have the career opportunity to do it. And very often people have thought that, you know, because they like to write and read, they're going to be a journalist or you know, whatever it is, but then they have their children. I, I've heard that many times and they find the headspace, I guess, to write. I always think um, that to have a baby that you don't have any headspace at all. That's what I was just thinking. It's <laughs> odd, isn't it? Because you yes. feel 
I think because part of it was that I, you know, I was home for a long time with my kids and I did start to feel kind of like how many times can you listen to the wiggles and make snacks and clean up snacks and talk about bunny rabbits or soldiers or whatever. And I think I, maybe my creativity started to go because I was less, it was less taxed because I wasn't in a work environment anymore. Mm. So talk to me about when you um, wrote the party and the and the path to publishing. Firstly, it's such a commitment. I mean, it's great to have the idea. It's great to have the the will, if you like, but it's the actual doing of a project. I mean, you know, to write how many thousand words, it can't be easy, right? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not easy. But, you know, I had done, before the party, I had written six novels, so I knew what it took. Oh, okay. Yeah, the different, um, you know, humorous fiction. I wrote a a humorous memoir. I wrote a young adult novel. So I had, I had been writing and then I had taken a break and was exploring screenwriting and I did have a film produced, but I was actually in Australia visiting my mother-in-law who was very ill at the time. And I got the idea for the party. I don't know why it just came to me then. And I wrote about 70 pages of it. And then I just put it away and I left it for years. Like, I think I left it for maybe four years because it was very dark. I don't know if I associated it with a difficult time because my mother-in-law was so sick and she has now passed away. And, but every time I would pull it out and reread it, I would think this is a book I want to read. I don't know if it's a book I want to write, but it's a book I would want to read. So it took me a while, but eventually I just decided to push through and finish it. And yeah, once I got going, I mean, it required a lot of research. There's, you know, legal stuff I had to look into and it explored really dark things, like really upsetting things that I had never explored before in my writing. So it took me some time, but then I did finish it. And now I'm so used to this dark darkness and peeking under the rock and taking my characters to all these horrible places. And I have, I actually have fun with it now. Mm-hmm. Do your friends worry about you sometimes? I think, what does she think of us? <laughs> well, no, I, more what I get, not really my close friends, but people that, you know, acquaintances and stuff, they're always like, what is going on in your head? Like I'm must be some weirdo because I'm like, it's my job. Okay. Like, <laughs> why do you think it's become a popular genre? It's certainly popular with our readers. Mm-hmm. Very popular in North America as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that we're always drawn to the dark side. And I think what's nice about books and films is that feeling of fear within a safe space where, you know, you're fine but you get that little adrenaline rush. And I recently read an article that a friend sent me about what it is, what what is that attraction to horror movies or thrillers or what have you. And they talk about the association. They talked about the association between fear and fun. So they said, if you were a kid and your parents took you to a theme park or what have you, and you went on a roller coaster and you were like, it was the time of your life then you might be the kind of person who will enjoy this kind of stuff. But if your parents took you when you were too young and put you on the roller coaster and you screamed your head off and you thought you were going to die, then you, you don't associate being scared with, with having a good time. And you won't like to read dark stuff. Like I have a friend who just likes happy endings and happy. She's like one of my best friends. And I'm like, you know, she's listening to murder to podcasts about how to be happier. And I'm listening to like, 
who got murdered and you know like all these true crime podcasts that I <laughs> so we were on the roller coaster at different stages and why family settings? What, because do you think that, you know, we have perceptions that families are perfect? Well, you know, I think that we do. I mean, I, I remember as a kid, you know, always feeling like, oh, there's so much going on in my family and every other family must be so perfect. Or even, you know, my own family that I've raised, you kind of look next door and everything seems so great over there. But eventually, you know, once you get to know people, everybody's got secrets. Everybody's got things that they don't want to reveal. And, um, you know, I sometimes think it's the ones who put the most effort into the appearance are the ones that have the most going on behind closed doors. I like reading crime fiction. It's a, it's a, one of my favourite genres, particularly for escapism, which is crazy, but it is. <laughs> and I always think of perpetrators and think, wow, could that be somebody I know? Could that be, you know, my uncle or could it be a distant relative or could it be, you know, indeed somebody you know? And I think you tackle that really well. But also, too, on a more serious note, I was um, reading a book on domestic violence recently um, written by Jess Hill and it's a big issue in this country and I think she said and I you know uh, I could be wrong here but it's it's up there that the family unit is one of the most dangerous places to be for a woman it's yeah I've I've heard those statistics and isn't that sad and awful right that Mm -hmm. and you know they always say you're in much greater danger from someone you know than someone you don't and do you think that your books tap into that Um, this one does, uh, because it is about a family that has lost their connection and, and their secrets become so toxic and dark that, uh, it does turn very dangerous. I have never really handled, tackled though domestic abuse. I don't know if I would be comfortable. I actually am working on something right now that does have an aspect of that. And it is a very fine line to, to walk because, You know, I mean, it happens and I don't know if we can shy away from things and it's terrifying, but you just, I think you have to be very careful when you write it so that it's not in any way gratuitous or too difficult to read, you know, Mm. sometimes it can be very, very scary and upsetting. And taking away from the subject as well, I think is really, you know, you have to be really mindful. So, I mean, to say that you take inspiration from families, you know, is that a bit far-fetched or do you think... (laughs) Thank God I don't know anyone like the Adler family in the perfect family. Yeah, that would be a stretch. But certainly, um, you know, maybe I think about moving uh, moving into a new neighborhood when you don't know people very well and how you look around and think everybody's so perfect and got it together. And then as years go by and friendships form, you know, this kid's doing drugs and this husband's having an affair and these people have money issues. You know, I mean, everybody's got something. And I'm kind of one of those, maybe I'm an oversharer. I'm more of an open book and I don't ever, I don't feel like I really pretend to be perfect, but some people are just private, right? Some Mm. people just want, they don't want people to know. So then that's when I'm like, Ooh, now I want, now I'm curious. Right. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Um, do you think COVID has changed or will change fiction in a way? Do you think that? It was interesting. I, um, you know, we have a really vibrant reading community, as you know, and they're very active on Facebook. And I posted a photo recently of a woman wearing a, coincidentally, the woman was wearing a scarf. Now, to some, it might have looked like a mask that she'd pulled down, but it actually wasn't. But the reaction it prompted was so severe, I was I was really surprised. People saying, I don't want photos to see photos of people with masks on. I don't want, this is my space where, you know, it's escapism, where I'm reading. I don't want to see face masks. It blew me away, actually. I was quite surprised. But I thought at some point, because this hasn't been three months or six months, so, you know, we're going into two years. At some point, is that going to be reflected in art and literature? We can't shy away from it, right? I know, but you know, it's funny. I've done a lot of um, interviews and panels with the lead up to this book coming out, and every writer I talk to doesn't want to do it. Like, I think we're bored of it. Maybe because we're in it, we're still sort of in it. We don't want to go there. It's so limiting, and this is our place where we can be free and go anywhere and have anything happen. And and you know, it's to escape it. I guess escape it. Um, but the book that I'm writing. It doesn't take place during the pandemic, but there are impacts. It's like a post-pandemic book where the people, the characters are impacted. Like like the main character had had a restaurant and has lost her restaurant and is basically broke and homeless and living in her car. So I think that a weird, you know, for better or worse, changed as a society. And that's got to show show up in some of our art. It's got to be documented in some way. But do you know what I also think in relation to your books? It makes for more drama because a lot of the challenges that I'm hearing are people being locked down with their families. I mean, we're in a strict lockdown at the moment. And, Uh, you know, husband, wife, two kids, three kids. And (laughs) I mean, that's challenging. There's certainly uh, some stories that are going to come out of that. Oh, I know. And everyone working from home suddenly. and Homeschooling, uh, but also yeah. spending 24-7 with your partner or your family, which we've yeah. never done before. Yeah, that's a recipe for murder, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. But <laughs> that's what I'm getting to, I think. I think it is going to change it. Often writers that I talk to say that, um, and I don't know whether we had this conversation last time, but it doesn't change things for you um, all that much in terms of being from home. But I, because you're, you know, you're writers and you're usually working from home, but it does change your environment, doesn't it? Absolutely. My husband is now here full time, but we're very, and my daughter just went back to university in Montreal, but she was here too. So we have him in the basement and her on the main floor and me in my office. And when there's three of us, like I can't come out of my office, like, because someone's on the phone and, you know, I'm like tiptoeing around trying to make my lunch, not to disturb anyone else. And I come back up and eat in my office, but now my daughter's gone. So we actually have a little bit of space. And so it actually feels weirdly, like as long as we have a floor between us, we can coexist peacefully. Mm. 
It is interesting. I I really think some stories will come out of it. And, you know, I can see a suspense family story quite easily in Uh, that environment. uh, It's interesting too, though, because everyone's experience has been very different, right? You know, from country to country and um, socioeconomically too. Like, I think the, the metaphor that I heard was that we're, we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. And so it affects you so differently depending on, you know, like, as I say, I have a floor between us. I know like even my editor, like she works in New York because everyone lives in such small places, you know, like she's in her bedroom with Mm -hmm. her office, you know, Mm -hmm. so everybody, and then people that don't have that luxury and still have to go to work. And yeah, it's a, it's very difficult different experience for different people, for sure. Mm. I think that the narrative has changed for us as, as, you know, global citizens. It's really, yeah, we might not want to talk about it and we want to move on, but it's been two years of, you know, completely, uh, I guess, a, a pause or or a, a time in our life that we would never ex- have expected. I mean, so many people have suffered, but also even those of us that haven't suffered, it's a different life. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I haven't seen my mom for almost a year and, you know, I mean, that's a lot shorter than many people, but she just lives, you know, a six hour drive away, but we are not supposed to travel in between. And now there's forest fires. That's a different issue, but it's, it's completely reshaped our relationships and everything. Mm. As I said, I don't think people will be writing fiction set in COVID, but I think the writing of fiction is going to change because you can't ignore the behavioural change that this has had on us. Talk to me about what you're, are you a disciplined writer? Are you a nine to five? What's your approach to writing? So I am a morning writer. So I get up fairly early and um, I just sit right down at my computer and start writing like cup of coffee, no breakfast, no shower, nothing. I have to get right to it. And that is my best, most creative time. Like I was still writing just before you and I started talking and it's starting to, I get to that stage around, it's, you know, almost three o'clock my time where things are just not coming and they don't sound very good. And I'm kind of messing them up. And I know that tomorrow morning I'll go back and look at it again and it will be so crystal clear and the words will just flow, but it's a short window when that happens. So I protect my mornings um, as much as I can. And I usually do it on the weekend also, because I just have those really good couple of hours that I don't want to give up because I get so much done. So do you give yourself a word count? No, I try to do that. I do. I I tried to do that for a while. And when I hear other people doing it, and I don't know if you've heard of Scrivener people, it's a, yeah, I don't have that either where you keep track of everything and it, you know, tells you how far, and you know, I admire that. And I thought, oh, maybe I'd be more productive, but I'm like, okay, I just published my 11th book. So it's sort of working what I'm doing. I'll just keep, I'll think I'll just keep going with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have noticed with the, all the authors that I've spoken to, everybody has a completely different style. I mean, you know, I've spoken to an author who writes in bed on her laptop. And I thought, wow, she'll have wow. to. Yeah. I mean, the morning or at night? At night. She wrote, oh my God. That's so opposite me. I have a friend who's like that. She's like, I'm an, I'm a nighttime person. Whereas mm-hmm. by the 
by evening, I'm just like drooling on the couch watching TV. Like I just, my brain's just done. Oh, look, you know, I'm not a writer, but if I don't, I do my best work before 12 midday. I mean, at least you go yeah. to three. <laughs> I go to, well, I go to after lunch, I'll tell you that. But <laughs> That's right. I'm all the same. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So with, with this book, so have you been able to tour or how, how has the promotion worked? Well, Oh my God. I have to say, I think the promotion is way busier and more intense because everything has moved online. So um, the swap was my first book to come out during the pandemic and things were just kind of moving there and they, people were just trying to figure it all out. This time, my publication week in North America, I had about five events a day. I was on from 5.30 till 5 p.m., 5.30 a.m. till 5 p.m. one day with five events. Like I had just jam-packed because everybody's just got the hang of it. They're like, we may as well invite you to this festival. We may as well put you on this panel. We don't have to fly you anywhere. We don't have to put you in a hotel, you know? So I, I just did a panel with like big authors, Megan Miranda and Laura Dave, who is the number one New York Times bestselling novel right now and um you know they're like why not just throw her in there throw her into the mix so um it's been super super busy I think that's been a huge positive like we've experienced that at better reading we introduced some um, back you know in March 20 meet the author it was like this segment that we just kind of brought in thinking that people are stuck at home and yeah. we would do this for a time because they won't be able to go out and see writers speak. And, do you know, I mean, it's been so popular and we won't change that. Things won't go back. But what I have also noticed is that it's given access to people that usually wouldn't have gone to a live event. They disabilities, living remotely or just can't get there it's yes. really opened doors for these people and that's just been so positive I think that the connection between writer and reader has never been stronger I agree and I don't think that will ever go away either I mean it just makes so much sense from an environmental perspective as well like I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna pretend I don't miss going to a hotel yeah. <laughs> meeting in person other authors and having a hospitality suite with drinks and snacks that was great but it just makes so much sense on so many levels for writers and readers to connect. Online. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Robin Harding, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app Join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.